Welcome to the Columbus Citadel Podcast. We hope this to be a long-lasting wealth of fellowship and biblical knowledge for our community. Listen as someone shares what God has placed on their heart in this episode. So she's heading to the back, and you know who you are. And you may head with her. I love putting these uh, things together, finding this information. They're just so fascinating about people, uh, things that perhaps you weren't aware of. I know that I wasn't with some of the things with Evangeline Booth. And uh, I'd always believed that uh, the good General Paul Rader was the first American uh, to hold that rank of general. But in truth, Evangeline Booth had a U.S. citizenship, even though it was a dual citizenship, so she was really the first U.S. general uh, of the Salvation Army. So kind of interesting stuff, I think. It's great things. Hopefully, as we go along with these, it'll increase our knowledge. We have such a rich history, and it's important that we are aware of it. Well, we're on a series here, Everything in God. I'm currently engaged in a book right now by Ravi Zacharias entitled um, uh, The Grand Weaver, How God Shapes Us Through the Events of Our Lives. And there's a great quote in the book. And Ravi says, to allow God to be God, we must follow him for who he is and what he intends and not for what we want or what we prefer. That's not always easy to do. Faith says, I trust God. God, even when I don't understand what's going on around me. Now, can I get an amen to that? Amen. Now, see, we say that, but it's not always easy, is it? I mean, when we get the news, I can ex deal, relate specifically to this. When my employer said to me, I have to let you go, happened to me. And that was the first time anybody had ever said those words to me. Oh, they were hurtful. And... I was just kind of befuddled, and I'm trying to say, God, where are you in this? I don't understand. Maybe there is sickness that comes upon us that all of a sudden, and I can relate to this, February of this year, I was fine until one day when I got out of bed and went, ow! And my right knee started to hurt, and I let it go for a month, and then I ended up with a torn meniscus, and after battling the insurance company to get the blessed procedure done, and after it was done, I thought all was well. And then on July 1st of this year, moving into this, to this wonderful city of Columbus, unloading the pod, lifting a box, I said, ow! And my knee started hurting again, and so I let it go for a month, and then I decided we ought to go get it checked, and so we MRI, and the, finally when the doctor got back from vacation, doctors need vacations too, he met with me and said, you've got, I've got bad news and I've got worse news. Doc, go with the worst first. Always lead with the terrible. He goes, you're going to have to have that knee replaced sometime in the very near future. What's the bad news then, Doc? He goes, well, you've got severe arthritis in that thing. And I said, Doc, before February of this year, my knee was fine. He goes, you got older. That was his professional medical opinion. I want you to know that. And I paid him money to say that to me, too. Do we still trust God when we don't understand when our body starts doing things that we don't understand why? I didn't do anything to deserve this. How about when somebody says to us that 
they're leaving us after this relationship that we've been in for so many years. All of a sudden seems to be coming to an end. Or what if the doctor would say to us, you only have four months left to live? You see, we come back to what Ravi says here. To allow God to be God, we must follow him for who he is and what he intends. It's not about what I want, not for what we want or what we prefer. I don't understand what's happening here. I don't understand what's going on. All I understand is that there is a God, and I trusted him enough for my salvation. Can I trust him enough, then, to lead me in the remainder of this life, whatever I had? You know, Mark shared with us what a... A tragedy there. Then we heard about Ken's friend. You know, life comes and goes, sometimes like the breath of a wind. And I love the quote that was up there by Evangeline Booth. It's not so much about, uh, I forget the exact quote, but what do we do with the time that we have? How do we use the time that we have for God? There are people who, can, who have done amazing things in the shortest realm of time for the Almighty because they got on fire for God their faith grew enormously. And I would respectfully submit to us this morning that our faith doesn't really grow unless it's put into a little bit of a fire, unless there is some pressure that comes. Because that shows forth the power of God in my life when those times come. What was that Jesus said to Paul? My grace is made perfect in your weakness. The writer of Hebrews talks about Abraham, and we're going to look at him this morning. But before we do that, we're going to look at this wonderful verse from Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And we must kind of be careful on that idea of rewarding. Rewarding is not necessarily, we get so caught up in monetary things and so forth and stuff. And, you know, we, stuff's never going to make it any farther. Isn't that enough? It's not going to make it with us into the next life. Isn't that enough to have the reward of his presence in this life to come? Just to have the fellowship of him in my life now. Is that not a great reward? To sense his presence. For him to move near to me because I moved near to him. Who would ever draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those. There's a twofold then criteria here, isn't there? That one, we have to believe he exists, and two, that he rewards. That's required in the scripture reading what we receive today. And then we come to Abraham on this. When we talk about faith, Abraham's been called what? You know in the scriptures how he's referred? He's the father of the nations, yes, but he's also referred to as a friend of God. What a great title. It's a wonderful song that uh, we'll sing with the praise band at some point, Friend of God. You know, to be that in that kind of fellowship, in that kind of relationship. And let's look at Abraham for just a moment from Hebrews' perspective. Again, these are helpful truths from Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. The emphasis, of course, is on that phrase right there. He went out not knowing where he was going. Ladies, sometimes you may feel your husbands do the exact same thing, especially if we're on a trip somewhere. I don't know about some of you gentlemen, but I know that for my personal, that when I'm traveling and I think I know where I'm going, and all of a sudden we get a little lost, I'm always hesitant to ask for directions 
Not so much these days, but there was a time when I would wait until, you know, just let's get a little farther down the road. Something will look familiar. Something will come up. And finally my wife will say, just stop and ask. And I do. But Abraham isn't operating from that perspective of where he is thinking he knows. He knows he doesn't know where he's going. Because it's not about him. He is following God. He went out not knowing where he was going. Now, there is a political process in place. We know who the Republican nominees are for the next president, those who are vying for that office. We also have a fair idea who the Democratic nominations are probably going to be. We're not sure if Biden's going to throw his hat into the rink or not yet, though I think he is. Um, but would you be all fired up to elect an official whose campaign slogan was, I don't know where we're going. I want to vote for you. No! We want somebody who's at the lead, who has a firm grip on reality, and who knows the direction our nation needs to take, and who will address some of the major issues that are facing us today as a nation, whether it's the deficit issue, uh, the future of fuel, all sorts of things that we could throw into the mix there. We want somebody who has a game plan, somebody who comes, and we want them to espouse it head on, so we know ahead of time, yes, that's the candidate that I want. Abraham wasn't that candidate because there was a realization on his part this was not about him. He didn't have the plan. God did. And he was all about following God wherever it would lead him. Do we not know the little song in the Salvation Army, the chorus that says, where he leads me? I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, part of the way, some of the way, a good chunk of the way. No, all the way. We sing songs and read scripture pretty easy, and sometimes it's easier coming out of our mouths than it is coming out of our lives. I know for my own sake, it took me a little bit to get understanding and have that faith to live God's plan out for our lives and to take the step that we did. And it took God's nudging. And I chide myself for it. I slap myself across the face every so often. You know, God sometimes takes a loving two-by-four and whaps us upside the head, and then we sing that blessed song, He touched me, oh, He touched me. <laughs> but He sometimes has to do that to get our attention. Faith is something that is not to be taken lightly and is to be understand, understood completely as best that we are able to wrap our minds around it and then it is to be lived out daily. So let's look three thoughts this morning as I work in threes usually, as I've told you, that we can look at this. Three goals perhaps of Abraham's perspective that are worthy of our attention and imitation this morning. First of all, there is the impulse of faith. You know, I said a few uh, weeks ago, that expression, God said it, I believed it, that settles it. And the truth of the matter is, and not to rehash it, but just to emphasize it, that whether I believe it or not is irrelevant to the fact that it settles it with God. When God says it, that's it. And for Abraham, that's where he was with this. You know, there were a bunch of people in the Ur of Chaldees. There was a number of people there. It is interesting that God called Abraham at the time known as Abram out. Why him? Why not somebody else? There are two kinds of people, one person suggested. There are settlers and there are pioneers. Settlers are people who just like to stay where they're at, 
status quo. Folks, I've got to tell you, on a lot of occasions, I'm a settler. I like routine. I like things that are planned out. I like things that are going like we're supposed to. I like that we start at this time, finish at this time. I'm that kind of person, okay? It really starts irking me when we start messing with that. I got ticked off at Sonic the other day because the person was not in the right position. They were, and I can't explain it so that you'll understand it, but suffice it to say how they pulled in. They cheated how they pulled in, and they were backing traffic up out into the street out here because of how they were. I'm not a patient person with such things. I took the vehicle and drove over the curb and got around him. <laughs> Went all the way around like you're supposed to. Got right in where they are. The person looked at me and I just smiled and I went, that's how you do it? That's the right way? Come on! I have that problem. God's working with me slowly but surely. God is not really into settling all the time, though. God is that pioneer spirit. And he was looking for someone to go to the place where he would show them. He, he wanted to get them out of a routine of something. And Abraham falls into that where there is that impulse. He sensed the spirit of God, however God presented himself to him. He sensed that it was God and he went. God spoke he went. God spoke, he goed. Terrible that grammar right there. But it was that whole process that he understood there was a sense to move and not to stay. One of the illustrations that's been used with Moses is during that time of the Red Sea experience, the children of Israel cried out, we want to go back, to go back to where it was. Weren't we better off back in Egypt instead of being slaughtered by Pharaoh and up against this water? Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of God. And God says to Moses, raise your hand. What are you folks standing around for? Go. Someone's made the observation that the first two letters of God are what? Speak. Go. The first three letters of Satan are? God is a God on the move. And Abraham sensed this. And we see this in the impulse, the stirring of the spirit. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. This is all Abraham hears. And, and he is moved. He is stirred to action by that. And God would speak to us today at times and say, move from this, do this. I had a friend who uh, was an employee in a, in a job, and God said, I need you out of that job. And the person couldn't figure out why, but he just felt it in his heart of hearts. God did not want him in that job anymore. And so he turned in his notice, not knowing what, where he was going to go. Yeah, right. How many of we would be more like, I'm God, I'm sorry, my hearing aid's not turned up all the way. I'm like, could you say that again? But my friend, my goodness, to his credit, and, to, and my, I'm amazed at his faith, strong Christian man. And he just said, I had to do it because I knew in my heart God was speaking and telling me to do it. As shortly after he had quit that job, they were under investigation for some very nasty things, and pretty soon a lot of people lost their jobs, but he had been separated from that because of hearing God's voice. And then he found a job that God had led him to, much more superior than the one he had. Now, he didn't know that at the time. You know, one of the things we have in the Bible, we get to see the end of the book and how it turns out in most instances. 
We know how it turns out for Abraham. We know how it turns out for Joseph. We know how it turns out for David. We know how it came with the disciples, with Jesus. And he was coming. We know, we know. But they didn't at the time. They only had what information God had shared to them. And on faith, they accepted it, as Abraham did. The impulse, the experience. Somebody has said it's not the destination, it's the journey that really matters. Why is that? Because it's the journey that shapes us, isn't it? It's the journey that makes it on the way that helps us to become. I remember, and just to draw an illustration from my own personal life, and I've shared with you about my black belt experience, but i got to tell you, if they would have just handed me the black belt without me going through the experience, it would not have meant anything. The fact of what I went through made the end so much more rich. Can you not capture a moment in our minds here what it's going to be like when we show up to heaven? For some people, it's going to be fearful. I'll be quite honest with you. You know, we're going to sing at the close of the service today, standing on the promises, but as the old joke is, some people are sitting on the premises. It is going to be either a very joyful experience or very fearful experience. What have we been doing with this life God has been giving? Have we been living just for self? Do we get up each day and think of us? Do we do nothing more than just what we have to do to get by? Are we the person who has been given the talent and then decides to hide it? And when he comes back, what will be our reward? We know how that turned out from Scripture. Or are we the person that says, Lord, I'm your servant today? When we wake up in the morning, are we saying, whatever you have for me, I am yours. I will serve you in my job. I will serve you in my home. I will serve you in my church. Wherever you lead, I will follow. I will go with you all the way. And that person, when the time comes that I have to stand before Christ Jesus, that is going to be the most joyful, exciting experience because this whole life has led up to that point. And it will be so rich for them. Imagine to the one who was aware but did nothing other than just exist. What do we do with this life God has given to us? What is the experience that we are allowing ourselves to have? You know, the impulse leads, the experience comes when we follow that impulse of his direction. Where are you with God right now this day? Hard questions I'm asking this morning. But I'm asking because God's going to ask it. He asks it of us all, myself included. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. When my Savior, I will see. Folks, may those be the words that come out of our mouth. Peter reminds us that we have not been born again of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. What does that mean? That means we were made for reason and purpose. We were made for greatness. We were made not for anything for ourselves, but to serve him, to do things for him. God chose Abraham for a very simple reason, because he was willing. Are we? Are we? Our faith moves us in this direction. Our faith speaks volumes to us and also speaks volumes of us if we have a lack thereof. Well, this morning we'll conclude that. What is the result? For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder 
is God, Hebrew says of Abraham. It's interesting of Abraham because he never really builds a city or anything. And think about it. God tells him and takes him out one night and he looks at the stars and God said, if you could count the stars, that's how many of your descendants are going to be. How many kids did Abraham have? Just with him and Sarah. We need to be careful here because there were other children, but we're not of the blessing that God was talking about. How many children were born to Abraham and Sarah? Hard to believe that a whole nation is going to spring from just having one. I mean, kind of went backwards to begin with. If you had three, at least you knew you had one more than the two of you put together. One child that Abraham trusts God eventually. At first he tries to help God. You ever done that, by the way? You ever tried to help God? How stupid can we be sometimes, folks? I mean, I've done that before. Um, you know, where I thought, you know, this is what God wanted, and we just kind of need to move it on and kind of moved at my pace as opposed to waiting for his. Does God need our help? <laughs> God wants to use us, wants us to experience the blessing. But in truth, God doesn't need our help. But he wants it nonetheless. But from his perspective, his direction, his way. Folks, if you have the bumper sticker on your car or a sign that says, God is my co-pilot, get rid of it. He can't be co-anything. God is God, and he is first and foremost. I am the Lord your God. You shall have none other before me. I am top of the list. I am the top dog. I am the A-lister. I am the best that's going to be and ever will be. And I need to be number one in your life. Abraham, knowing this and living like he did, because he, the writer of Hebrews tells us, was looking for a city that was going to be built, whose foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And I got, to be, I got to thinking on this line here, the designer and builder. What God designs, what God builds, lasts. There's a certain level of permanency. The only time there's not is when people get involved. He built a perfect world. Eve took a bite. Then Adam. There was a temple made for him. And then people started coming and worshiping other gods. And God's funny. He won't stay where he's not wanted. Wherever people have gotten involved, it has gone less. But where God is allowed to be God, it lasts. I want him to design my life. I, I, I've, I've gotten in the way before, and I'm trying so hard to get out of the way. Uh, don't always succeed. But I want to desperately. Why? Because I want him to have my life be something that can exemplify everything that's about him and that can do something for him. Because what has he done for me? What hasn't he done for me? He has given me breath in my body. He's given me a beautiful wife. He has given me uh, these, the children. Everything that I have comes from him. The person who says they're a self-made person, self-made man, self-made woman, live in a delusion. Oh, yes, they may have acquired these things themselves, but they've acquired, acquired them because of the blessings of God. God allowing it. And there's a higher accountability those folks are going to be held to. There's going to be a great surprise for some people on that day as they stand before him. We come to Abraham as a great testimony of what it means to have faith. And he wasn't perfect, but he surely was somebody who exemplified faith in a lot of ways. And again, we come back to our opening scripture. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed. He obeyed by faith. God said it, and it was sufficient. That was all it needed to be. He trusted him. We all go through difficult times. And sometimes, I'm the first person to tell you I'm not a big fan of pain. There are times I was out uh, mowing the other day and my knee started talking to me. Ever have a conversation with parts of your body? He goes, stop it. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but if it's his will for me to have this pain the rest of my life, then I accept it. I don't know why. I just know he loves me. And I know he has a purpose and a reason for what he does. And my faith is strong enough to say, I trust you, Lord. I give it all over to you. Just use me as you see fit, as best as I can be used by you. Take the lead. I will follow. May that be our prayer this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Mark to go to the piano. We always op open the altar up, and there's no exception to that today. Um, maybe you're going through some struggles today. Maybe you need to come and just remind yourself, I trust you, Lord. I don't understand. Like Abraham, I have no idea where this is going. But I know you'll let it go right where it needs to go. I trust you. Let's just take a moment of silent meditation while the piano plays. And if you want to come this morning, the altar is open for you. time to pray for us, the body of Christ, as we pursue holiness and God's will for Columbus. God bless.